Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the film based on the English folktale of Robin Hood that originated in the 12th century. It was directed by Kevin Reynolds and stars Kevin Costner as Robin Hood, Morgan Freeman as Azim, Christian Slater as Will Scarlet, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio as Marion, and Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, uh, special place for me. Anything to do with Robin Hood, uh, given my family is from Nottingham. Uh, this was my second uh, introduction to the story of Robin Hood. The first being, of course, the Disney movie with the fox. <laughs> the fox, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Which I always loved as a kid. Um, I remember this movie was huge. This movie, a Kevin Costner movie, had action figures and I had some. <laughs> yeah, me too. But you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm not sure now. Which I had. Did I have the playset from this movie or did I have the Ewok village from Return of the Jedi? Because when do we prep for this? So Kenner was the toy company that made toys for both Jedi and Prince of Thieves. Yeah. The playset that the company made to go with Prince of Thieves is actually the Ewok village that they made for Jedi. They just repurposed it. <laughs> I don't know which one I had. I I think I had the Ewok Village, but maybe I had this one instead. Yeah, it'd be hard to, like, just from going, playing with it, which one you had. I can't remember the box. I can't remember I the remember box, just the toy. About the action figures is they had cloth costumes. Right, yeah. Yeah, and because you had two Kevin Costner Robin Hoods in two of the costumes he wore from the film. Uh, my brother and I had one each, <laughs> each one with a different costume. And I think we had uh, an Azim and a Sheriff of Nottingham, like just the four. But the bows had strings. They fired. I think one of them had had a, one with a firing action. I think one had like a grappling grapple hook action for the rope swinging. Um, but I recall them being great. I haven't had a look at an image of them since. I yeah, don't want to spoil the nostalgia. <laughs> it's been a while for me too, but I did have toys from this film. I definitely remember having a Robin Hood action figure. This is one of those films, isn't it, where we've both watched and enjoyed from a young age. So for us to be critical now of <laughs> this film that we're going to have a lot of nostalgia for but it's one of those films where for me always existed i mean i was born in 84 this film came out in 91 but i've always had such a strong memory of this film and coming out in 91 that was the same year that terminator 2 judgment day was released which was the number one film of the year the highest grossing film of the year this was second this was the yeah. second highest grossing film of the year. I mean, it did receive mixed reviews from critics. They praised Freeman's and Rickman's performances and the music, 
but criticised Costa's performance, the screenplay, the overall execution. But nevertheless, <laughs> it was a box office success, grossing more than $390 million worldwide. And again, making it the second highest grossing film of 91. So who yeah, listens well, to I critics re- anyway? <laughs> yeah, I remember two things from this movie. Uh, the Brian Adams song, Everything I Do. I do uh, for you. The film yep. clip that, uh, that went with it. And the the trailer uh, and the, 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 the trailer shot, which is in the movie, but it's the where he's got the arrow on fire and he releases it to shoot the executioner who's going to kill uh will scarlet like that shot um it so stands out from every other shot in the movie from the composition but yeah i remember that from the trailers like that was the shot that sold the movie of like so iconic (laughs) and the music that accompanied that trailer was the music from willow from 1988 (laughs) the james horner music yeah uh, he was not the composer on this film. Uh, the composer was Michael Kamen. Uh, a lot of pretty big projects, Die Hard 4.0, or as it was known in the US, Live Free or Die Hard, as well as its sequel with uh, The Sun in Russia. I, um, the... No, no, no. That was, I'm pretty sure it was Marco Beltrami that did Die Hard 4. I know Kamen did the first one because there he's got his connection with Alan Rickman. So Michael yeah. Kamen did the first Die Hard movie. Before that, he'd done the Lethal Weapon films. And then in 2000, he did X-Men. But then, as you say, he did lots of other films. But maybe they just yeah. sampled some of the John McClane themes for number four. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Band of Brothers, the HBO series, he did the music for. And for for myself, the big thing he did, the 90s cartoon X-Men thing. That was him. Really? Yeah. Or at least, he. yeah, it's on his credits. X-Men, the main theme, X-Men from the 90s. I'm like, ah, what? Who is this man? How come he's not, his ah, name's I, not in... I know yeah, that he did. I guess that's... He I did the Brian Singer why, film. Yeah, I wonder if that's why he got offered the Singer film at all. Is because he'd already had an X Men connection and ah. Singer naturally went that way. But yeah, when I saw that, that on his IMDb, I'm like, dude, that's, that's something a great to thing. hang your hat on. You could have done nothing else in your life, and you could have hung it all on that. I mean, but, I do love that yeah. theme, but for me though, it is Lethal Weapon, who he composed with Eric Clapton. Yeah, I oh, love those scores. But here, like, yes, he's doing the score, but. The score, to be fair, it is overshadowed by Brian Adams. Everything I do, I do it for you. The song that went on to be the best single of his career, maintaining number one in the US Billboard chart for 14 weeks. It also spent a record-breaking 16 weeks at number one in the UK. Huge. Yeah, yeah, huge song. Um and not just that, you do. They do use it, just not uh, just the uh, musical cues for it a couple of times throughout the film as well. 
So it's not just something that comes in at the credits and there was a big hit. It was used in the film as part of your score. So I get why it's such a uh, a big deal. Also, at the time, you just couldn't get away from it. Yeah, absolutely. Watching... Well, he he couldn't get away from it. He wanted to release a new song, but he was having to compete with himself. <laughs> yeah, and then he did uh, All For One for Three Musketeers. Ah, oh, did he really? Yeah. Oh. With, yeah. He was with hoping the, uh, Lightning would strike twice. That one. That was Disney, wasn't yeah. it? That one? I think, yeah, I think it was. You know, you mentioned... Robin shooting the flaming arrow just to get a little bit technical how they achieved that it was shot at 300 frames per second where the normal speed is 24 frames per second so that's how they get the spin and it just looks a little bit off but cool visually and yeah iconic yeah um yeah and you get to see very crisply the flames coming off the arrow and it must be dipped in like petrol or something for that to work because it's a very distinctive like look and because of because of the speed when you see it in flight you you see the way the flame ripples it's quite a shot but yeah Yeah. because of that specific this like the frame rate it really stands out when it comes up on screen of like it looks like no other shot in the movie yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does, he does. Um director Kevin Reynolds. So this film was the second time it worked with Costner. First time was a film called Fandango in 1985, which has got a bit of a cult status now. The third film they worked together on, Waterworld. Waterworld. Which I yeah. think was what 95 thereabouts at the time. Yeah. The most expensive movie of all time. Yeah. I watched um, it again one... fairly recently. It's okay. Jack Black pops up for a little bit, but it's all right. Dennis Hopper chewing the scenery. Yeah. Um, and Kevin Costner with the water tech for that movie. Uh, he's That's where he made his money back, using that to help clean up oil spills and stuff because, you know, the had a problem with the set keeps that kept sinking. And he wanted to be environmentally, like, cautious. So, yeah, that movie is didn't end up being a financial flop, but eventually paid for itself and then some from the technology to protect the set that they right. developed specifically for it. I mean, that's great. Failed yeah. at the box office, but made money anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fail upwards. <laughs> You know what I never noticed about this movie? So I've I've never had this issue. Like you've said, your family are from not is it from Nottingham or near Nottingham? Yeah. No, actually in Nottingham, yeah. There you go. So you've got that connection. Until recently, I think it's closed down now, but in Doncaster, where I'm from, we had Robin Hood Airport, which I always thought was a bit random. Like they could have named the airport after anybody, but they chose Robin Hood. So we've both got a bit of a connection there. As a kid watching it, and now obviously I notice it, but didn't bother me at the time. The fact that Robin Hood from Nottingham, <laughs> like that's where he's based, has an American accent. There's a lot of that in this. Kevin Costner just speaking with his normal voice. Uh, Friar Tuck, played by Michael McShane. 
just playing just him she's just himself that's his voice he's not putting on an english accent christian slater from certain words and certain like lines of dialogue he's attempting but he just sounds like christian slater there's no like it's you know like a lot of the actors if they're not actually british they're just I mean, yeah American. you're not wrong except when, for morgan freeman who's actually doing some he's, doing something i know but that's voice. that's because he's morgan but it's freeman, morgan freeman. It, yeah it can do anything <laughs> When Sean Connery made his cameo as King Richard, he spoke in a Scottish accent. So there you go. Everybody's just yeah. using using their accents. Yeah. But of course, Costa had more screen time than Connery, so it's a bit unnoticeable um, that he's just sounding American. But again, yeah. as a kid watching this, didn't matter. He was cool. He's doing the action. He's firing the flaming arrow. It didn't matter that he was American, or at least he sounded American. Yeah, and I don't know if you actually get his age, but when I when I was watching it through this time, uh, they kind of hint that he's only supposed to be in like his mid twenties. Like, I don't think Kevin Costner was that young when they made this movie. No, but <laughs> things like that always throws me. You know, when because again that like we watched it as kids, so even if he was like mid twenties, late twenties, he's going to be a lot older than what we were as kids watching it. But now, like late thirties, nearly forty, you're like, oh wow, Robin Hood in that movie was like mid twenties. It's odd looking back on it like that, like watching it now. But yeah, okay, yeah, that, I guess you know that's how old yeah. he would have been in um, in the film. You know the whole accent thing. Apparently, we've so you got Robin of Loxley, Will Scarlet. Both sounding American. Apparently, that is like tipping the, like leaning towards, hey, Scarlet's his brother. They kind of sound the same. You should be picking up on these clues. But no, nah, I think it was just actors using their own accents. I think that's what yeah. was going on there. Christian Slater, he ad libbed Will Scarlet's line of, fuck me, he cleared it with that, yeah. that scene we're talking about. No, so that's after Robin and Azeem are catapulted over the castle. Uh, director Kevin Reynolds kept it in the movie because it was funny, despite the historical inaccuracy. When it was then released on VHS, there was a version, because they wanted it to have a PG-13, or not PG-13, that's in America. In the UK, they wanted it to be a PG. They have him say... Blimey, instead of fuck. <laughs> so they, <Yeah. laughs> they changed it. But then apparently they, so that was for the UK and Irish theatrical and subsequent VHS releases. But then they, they switched it around and have the original line fixed into it. But yeah, but instead of that great line that Slater ad libs, you got Blimey, they cleared it. It's not quite the same, is it? Yeah. No, because it's not natural. Like his ad lib was like in the moment and you know, no one says blimey in the rest of the movie. It just stands out. It really does stand <laughs> out. How have we gone this long without really getting stuck into Alan Rickman as <laughs> Sheriff of Nottingham? My, oh, yeah, this wow. Is, oh, it's, it, I, I've always loved Alan Rickman. He's popped up in so many films, Die Hard, Galaxy Quest, the Harry Potter franchise. Dogma. Uh, Love Actually, Dogma. <laughs> 
he's every time he pops up, he's a delight, and it's hard to pick a best role for him. That being said, of all his lines of dialogue, the I'll dig his heart out with a spoon. Why a spoon? Because it's blunt, you moron. It will hurt more. <laughs> is the one I quote the most often. But he has so many great lines in this. There's one I've I've written it down. Uh, <laughs> no more scraps for lepers or orphans. No more merciful beheadings. And cancel Christmas. Yes, <laughs> he's just had enough. <laughs> I'm like, like it. He's brilliant. He's every single scene. Like he's just. He take he steals every single one of them. He's just no. He the he, best. He ad lived the line about calling up Christmas. That was that was all him. Originally, or initially, should I say, Rickman turned down the role twice before he was told he could more or less have carte blanche with his interpretation of the character. And then we got the Sheriff of Nottingham that we got in the movie because that's him. He's yeah. doing that. That's his performance and ad-libbing and just all of it. Like he's, he's sneering. He's not quite winking at the camera, but he's having so much fun in that part. Yeah. Like the, who told you to cover up and like you come at come to my quarters at 9.30 and you come at 9.45 <laughs> and bring a friend. Yeah. Like, I, it's just like, like giving himself only 15 minutes with one and then he's like, yeah, but then send two more. Like, I'll be fine. Like, he's so like, all of it, it's, he's, he's brilliant. I don't know if there's, there could ever be another Sheriff of Nottingham this good because He's set the bar, like yeah. So I mean, good. yeah, it, it happens, doesn't it? Like certain roles are cast, and then you can't imagine anybody else playing them. But the, you know, Sheriff from Nottingham, like, there's been like so many actors over the years with TV and film, but something about his performance, and because honestly, Kevin Costner getting criticised. I like him in this. I do, but I don't know if it's yeah. because I do like him in this or I've just accepted that this is the film and he's Robin Hood. Again, watching it from such a young age. But he is, to be honest, quite wooden. Yeah. But then, on one hand, is that the character? But then we also see that from Costner elsewhere. But again, I like Costner, whether it's Build the Dreams, Jonathan Kent in Man of Steel. You know, he's got so many films under his belt. But because he's playing Robin so straight, you can have Rickman doing what he's doing, like playing this cartoon villain of Sheffield Ottingham. So they, they complement each other. Like they couldn't yeah. both be doing what Rickman's doing because then it's yeah. going to end up being something more like Robin Hood Men in Tights. So it, yeah. does, it does work well, and I guess this Robin is more reserved, and that's what Costner brings to the part, but he's doing the action. I don't know, it does all work for me, but he is pretty wooden in this. Yeah, but you know, he's also such a huge star by this stage. Uh, I don't think the movie gets made without his name attached to it, in all honesty. Um, especially with such a predominantly American cast. I mean, you know, Mary Elizabeth. Master Antonio, who the, her, I will never not remember her name because of not just the trailer for this, 
but the amount of things she popped up in in the 90s which was huge uh, late 80s early 90s like this the abyss scarface um well she, she was in another big movie was she in like dr quinn medicine woman or oh, medicine sorry uh not medicine woman was it medicine man with sean connery which one was oh right his? yeah he he did medicine man yeah yeah, uh, and she, she popped up in stuff like like this. Not Outbreak, but another one like Outbreak. I can't remember exactly which one, but she was just one of those actresses that was like one after another, especially come off, uh, Oscar season. Um, and here she is as Maid Marian. I'm, I don't know what her uh, background is, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out that she's spanish or part of of mexican descent because of scarface partially but also i don't know she's but she's you'd say ethnically ambiguous because she looks with with the hair and everything like she just looks like everyone else just with a very very maybe it's because it's a three name thing and that was so uh, so unusual to me as a kid so so exotic freeman (laughs) kevin costner like Alan Rickman, Christian Slater, Mary Elizabeth, Master Antonio. Like it, it yeah. always stuck out. And whenever the trailer voice guy said her name, it always, always like he put a little bit extra on hers. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and she was in so many of those key movies for me as a kid that she's always like stood out. And this is the thing I remember her for the most. Um, right. Having yeah, been with, such a fan. Yeah, like, with the casting there, like, like saying, essentially, they're all supposed to be English. <laughs> essentially, yeah. that's but but they're not though. So it's like it sounds like on paper this movie shouldn't work. It's yeah. an American production of an English folktale hero. Yeah, and Kevin Costner is playing that English folktale hero. Yeah, but I love it. <laughs> like Robin Hood, bits yeah. of these, and and the name as well. The name of the movie I love. We all know Robin Hood. We're just having the full title, Prince of Thieves. I've always thought it sounds cool. Yeah, and we've even recently we've had a fair amount in the last fifteen years. We had the Russell Crowe Robin Hood film. We had the one with Taron Egerton. Because this is Prince of Thieves, I immediately know which one. When someone says Robin Hood, they always say Prince of Thieves when they're talking about this one because. Like it's the one that stands out. It's the reason why we got Men in Tights is specifically because of this movie, and that's yeah, another be- movie I yeah. love. Like, yeah, yeah, you have- it, yeah. There's a charm to it, Mel Brooks. Yeah, I don't love it, but I do like that film. Yeah, um, but I my enjoyment of that film only exists because I already love this film. But with this I- film, though, what's interesting to know is that. I'm sat thinking, so it's it is one of the first gritty reboots that we've got. Like now it's commonplace. We're gonna yeah. take something you liked before, we're gonna make it edgier, darker. I mean, yes, more we've serious. gone from more serious. We've gone from Batman 66 to Batman in 89 with Michael Keaton. So I guess they kind of did it first, but then this came along. And it was just, it was something different, wasn't it? So it's, like, it's a story, you yeah. know, but it's going to have like a darker tone. And then after after they did that kind of take on a pre-existing series or property, 
we got like Robin Hood with Russell Crowe, where it's like the man behind the legend. So it's like, yeah. it's more like a real take. So, you know, less interesting. And they did it yeah. with King Arthur as well, with Clive Owen, the man yeah. behind the legend. I thought, and we through having a few of those. And then when they got to Tyrant Edgerton as Robin Hood, like and most people were dressed in clean clothes. Him dressed as Robin Hood looked like he'd shopped at Top Man. Fire yeah. book, the cast, Tim Minchin. But anyway, that's, they're the more recent takes on Robin Hood. But this is the one for me. Like you, the Disney cartoon, main introduction on film to Robin Hood. But this is the version of Robin Hood that is my favourite. Yeah, and um, I don't know. It's just, I just find it iconic. I, I've always had a lifelong interest in archery anyway. Um, and, you know, you can point out to any one of those other Robin Hood takes and the archery uh, is much better. They figured out how to film it better. They've got, uh, they have the actors do actual training where they're taking the shots. Might not be as accurate as it's portrayed on film, but it just helps sell the believability and all that kind of thing. But you don't get there without this one. I like like for anything else like you know in the 90s we had this like this era where this happened and three musketeers and zorro and you started to get and you got others with these big epic period pieces you've got you got braveheart and that leads to gladiator and troy and all of this all of these films only I decided that they're viable because they did this one. This is the proof of concept for the rest of them. Um, even the fact that they used an, uh, a big name actor to anchor the whole thing. Every single one of those other movies I just mentioned did the same thing. They may have actually tried to get more accurate with the voices or something, but they still had to get a name first yeah. to attached well, to the director. The Troy yeah. film. Yeah. Brad Pitt. Yep. <laughs> like Mel Gibson, Braveheart. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I never that's thought about it that way, but you're right. You can trace it back to this film. Yeah. Uh, that's that's why I think this had such a, uh, a specific uh, place in my, uh, in my memory. And even the actor, Michael Wincott, he's one of those guys who – pops up especially in the 90s he plays the cousin of sheriff nottingham guy of gisborne he was in the flaring musketeers and he was he he popped up in a bunch of these films and some sci-fi movies as well he was in alien resurrection because he's just got that voice and that face that looks interesting and villainous like he just pops up because of that character um the character is uh face and voice rather than the quality of his acting which isn't bad it just i don't think i've ever seen him not play michael wincott <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he's just got kind of stuck in that character where which is why he keeps getting casters but yeah this is the again the first time i've seen him and it's great everyone in this does it really well the the representation of Sherwood Forest not just being Major Oak, which you can you uh can still see in Nottingham. It's like you see in the, in this film, it's not that's not Major Oak, but you know, it's like kind of propped up 
by other bits and pieces because the tree's so old that if they yeah. didn't do that, it would have fallen over long ago. I've been there a yeah, few uh, times, had my picture taken underneath. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just like it just all works. Um, even though it shouldn't, again, like, or the only thing that in the square at the end, right before the main stuff, uh, what, even watching it this time reminded me of like, I wonder if they filmed this in the Braveheart end sequence in the exact same place. Cause I don't think they built that castle square. I think that must exist somewhere in England where you'd be able to film there. And it looks very familiar. Um, and there's all those castles and stuff still in the UK. So I got to imagine that's what happens, but I think we've both probably tipped our hands on what we think of this movie um, in terms of ratings. But where is your rating on Ro- uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? <laughs> I feel like I'm not able to approach this critically because I love it so much. And I've probably seen this film more than most. And but even saying that, yeah, no, I, the issues that people seem to have, you know, whether it's critics, you know, calling out Costner's performance, um, issues with some of the writing, I don't see that. Like I, I did mention he's a bit wooden at times, but that's okay. <laughs> he's, um, he's a good one to go up against Alan Rickman. I, oh, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to give this, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it five out of five. You get five out of five. I mean, I could potentially bring it down, but I don't really want to. It's, um, yeah, it, it's, I don't know. It, it just, it was one of those films that just seemed to be on and I had the action figures and I go out to a friend's house and it was on. Um, school holidays, they'd often show it on TV. So I've definitely seen it more than most films, but always enjoy it. Like you don't find yourself watching the time. You're just captivated by it every viewing. It's never got old for me. So five out of five. What about yourself? I'm not going to come in quite as high. I do have a a specific love for this. And as I said, I think this is the probably the film, which is why we got so many of the other big epic movies that followed on. Um, and this might be also the first film because when he's trying to sneak in at the end, you know, he picks up that fresh horse dung and wipes it on himself so no one gets in and has like at the time like no one ever did that the hero didn't get like dirty he might not put it on his face which is what they do these days where he'd actually like really get in and like wipe it on himself um and really dress himself up but that was like a whoa he did what like was that did kevin costner use real horse poo like you know that's the sort of stuff that yeah it felt like you said, gritty and, and realistic in terms of the grime, the dirt and what they had to put up with, you know, the other than Maid Marian, I don't think any of the actresses were really wearing um, like makeup or foundation of any kind. It was just dressed down, if anything, uh, to keep it period accurate. Um, uh, as the witch, <laughs> Geraldine McEwen as Mortiana, who, Again, it's stood out 
so clearly in my head, like what who she is, and like with the cracking the egg and its blood and her own stuff and the all of it. But I'm probably coming around four out of five. Um, I do enjoy it more than that. I can see people coming in and not getting past Kevin Costner's American accent or like you said, it's kind of the wooden uh, performance that just feels like Kevin Costner to me. It doesn't feel like he's not not acting, uh, but he is carrying the movie. It's, his straightness and dryness allows Friar Tuck to be so loud. It allows uh, the boisterousness of Little John and even Morgan Freeman's Azim is allowed to be a bit more colourful um, in terms of his performance. And you know, the fact that he brings out, like, the, the spyglass and, like, it's like like Robin doesn't get it. He's like, what the hell? How are they so not... Well, I can't see him so well with this. All these little touches. Like, that's a bit... That's some comedy. Like, he does deliver some, like, some genuine, like, laughs. And he seems to have good rapport with everyone. But again, like you said, with Alan Rickman, it's that balance. You know, you don't get the uh, the stoicism and greatness of Leonard Nimoy, Spock, without the the over the top loudness of like McCoy and uh, Kirk, who are playing off of him. Like it's a it's a thankless role, but it's one that has always worked. If some one actor goes big, the other one has to go small. You can't both go big, otherwise it just gets out of control with everyone chewing the scenery. Um, it works for everything. The music's always stood out well. The way the movie shot, and I, again, so much of my the my youth at the time, this hit on every level. My parents loved it. I loved it. I had the action figures. Lit, like I'm sure we had that Brian Adams CD in the house. Like we had all of it um so yeah four out of five um definitely see it i'm not sure it it there's because there aren't any such big sequences the way we'd have them now but at the time these were all the catapult shot the shot with the arrow the the camera on the arrow as it travels through the trees and splits the other arrow all of these are so familiar and the tropes they've become tropes since but they originated here. Like, yeah, they weren't then. It's one of those. Yeah, it's one of those capsules that it its impact is so much greater than the sum of what we got in the initial movie. So it's really yeah. hard to separate the two. Well, that's a very level-headed critique <laughs> and, and review. Well done. I'm just gonna sit here with my five out of five. But you know, <laughs> I chose to go first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Again, well, I, as pure, I said, personally, John, I'm right there. Like it hits me in the exact same way. I'm trying to temper it. I'm probably still a bit higher than um, like my nephews would see if they would. Yeah, but they're but... they're quite a bit younger. I mean, yeah. Even even if I was to bring it down from a five, it wouldn't be by much. Which again, I'm going to stick with my five. But at a four point five, maybe. But I'll I'll stick with. I'll stick with my five again. It, it's it's a movie that I love. I know you do as well, but um, yeah. Anyway, we've done it. That's it for our episode all about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves.
If you'd like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook at Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.